welcome to Langstaff Online. My name is Michael Da Silva, and I am your host for episode 58. In this episode, we are going to be listening to Josh Smith on a message entitled, How to Disagree Well. We trust this episode will provide very helpful insight on how we are to interact with unbelievers and believers alike. The testimony of the gospel that we preach demands it. I'd like to read in Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. There are some other verses that we could read in this chapter as well. Uh, But I trust that what I have to speak on today would be something very practical and very useful for everyone that's here. And I think it will be pretty evident after we read this verse what the topic is today. Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. It says, If possible... So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I think the King James Version might even say with all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. We're going to refer to some other verses, but I'd like to use this one as an introduction to some thoughts concerning uh, getting along, not only with each other, but getting along with so many people in this world. If there was anyone who ever uh, wanted to be skeptical about the Bible, they might take this verse and say, really, in 2020, you want us all to get along. With things like coronavirus and differences of opinion on whether you should wear a mask or shouldn't wear a mask, and is it a pandemic or is it way overblown, with things like civil unrest and people protesting and speaking out, and so many things to have so many strong opinions on not even mentioning spiritual things and important matters like that. It's so easy to find opportunities to disagree or to have division or to have uh, disunity and, and really not handle it well. And so what I'd like to try and do today or this morning is speak on how to disagree well. How to disagree well. Now, I want to be... I want to be up front and say I'm not aiming at anyone. There's no one that I have in mind other than myself, first and foremost. And there's no issue that I'm necessarily trying to speak on other than to generally look at what does the New Testament teach on how to disagree well. No two people are the same. No two people see eye to eye on every subject. And let alone when you put a group of about 100 people together, you're going to have some disagreements and some areas where you might not uh, be as cohesive as you wish. And so it's important that all of us could leave today having strengthened the skill that I'm sure we already have of how to disagree well. Now, that doesn't mean that we just acquiesce to everything and we run from confrontation and we just say yes and sure and um, we all just kind of avoid any, any sort of a disagreement. But let's look at the New Testament and how it talks about agreeing or disagreeing and doing it well. And what I'd like to do is do a quick survey over some verses in the New Testament and then look at some specific verses referencing the Lord Jesus. And hopefully that will be a way for us to, uh, again, just strengthen this skill that is so necessary for us today. So I'm just going to read through some of these verses. We don't necessarily, for the sake of time, have to turn to each one of these. As I'm sure you have these in your mind already as we're trying to look at this topic today. So let me ask you just to kind of break the ice. Where would you turn in the New Testament for principles or lessons 
on how to disagree and to do it well. What scriptures would you turn to? As I started looking through the New Testament and kind of just doing a quick survey of it, I have to admit I was a little a little bit surprised to see how often something along those lines is mentioned in the epistles, in the gospels, in the book of Acts. Think about so many times that there was conflict. So I'm just going to share a few of those with you today just to kind of give an overview, just so we can get the lay of the, the land of the New Testament and how often it, the Spirit of God deals with it. Now, the first one that most of us would go to would be someplace like Matthew 18. Now, Matthew 18 is not necessarily talking about two people who can't agree, but there's obviously an issue that's arisen that's caused some sin to divide, and there is a a possibility that there were two people who didn't see eye to eye. And so the Matthew 18 principle teaches us to go directly to that person, privately and directly. Privately and directly first. So if there's ever an issue that we disagree on, we should probably, if we follow, we should, I guess, if we follow the principle of Matthew 18, is to go to that person and talk to them face to face. And when we say directly, it's not necessarily a confrontation, but it's not going around various different routes to get to that person and not not going to other people in other places, but going to the person face to face. That would be the the first principle, as, as well as many others taught from Matthew 18. As you get past the Gospels and you look at Acts 15, you can consider a sharp disagreement. There is contention between two individuals, and it becomes so sharp and uh, such a difficult situation that they actually have to part company. They're not excommunicating each other. They're not uh, no longer calling each other brothers, but they have reached a point where they cannot continue together. Now, I'm sure... You can look back into instances in your own life where you've, you've come across an individual or a person and it's just not going to be cohesive. It's just not going to work and you decide it could even be another brother in Christ but it just, it, or sister in Christ, but it becomes evident that you're going to have to part ways for a time. And so Acts 15, there's that sharp disagreement and they've parted company. You can look back through Christian history. It happens way more often than we'd like to see. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul tells the, the church there that there's, there's been reports. So it's, it's known that there is quarreling among you. There is fighting. There is division. And so it's addressed in 1 Corinthians. In the book of Romans, in chapter 14, if you were to read through that chapter, that chapter is all about how to deal with differences of opinion, differences in conviction. How do you get along? We've been hearing a lot of ministry on unity, on unity with a diversity of opinion. And the New Testament does not just leave us out in the open to, uh, to it, does, it addresses it very specifically. And so we can look at a chapter like Romans 14. And I think that Andy Nacelli has 12 points that you can take from Romans 14 on how to work with people who have differing opinions or convictions. Galatians 2 and 11. Paul goes and he withstands Peter face to face. And then he does it publicly. Now, I think we should be real careful with that one because anytime you're going to go and confront someone face to face, you better have spent a significant of time, amount of time praying about the issue and praying for the person. So I'm not sure that Galatians 2 and 11 is teaching us that each time we have a disagreement, we're to go and withstand that person face to face and then publicly rebuke them or, or give the opposite teaching. I think we all understand that. 
If anything, Galatians 2 and 11 tells us that, again, Paul is following that Matthew 18 principle of going to the person. He did go to the person, and then he did it publicly. And again, that's not necessarily something that always works out. In fact, I I would suggest it rarely works out well to publicly address a situation where you have a disagreement. Philippians 2, or Philippians 4, there are two sisters who are having a disagreement. They don't see eye to eye. And you know that the book of Philippians is all about unity and bringing us together and being of the same mind. And here are two sisters who don't agree. Titus 3 and 10 talks about foolish fighting, foolish quarrels. And he's very, it's a very powerful statement. When he says about a person like that, warn them once, warn them twice, and then have nothing to do with them. There's some very strong words there. If you read William McDonald's commentary in that little section, he has even stronger words for that person in Titus chapter 3. Just always fighting, always debating, always raising the issue, always being contentious. Warn them once, warn them twice, and then have nothing to do with them. James 4 and 1. This is an important one that we'll hopefully look at in just a few minutes as we only have a few minutes to go. What causes fightings and quarrels among you? What is the cause? And James 4 tells us it's within. It's within. I remember Mr. Crawford saying quite often that that many, many times when there are disagreements, the answer is often just a little humility. Humility. So often the fights, the quarrels, the issues, the divisions that we have at the root cause, would you not agree that the root cause would be pride? And so... Romans 12 and verse 18 says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Why is it important? Why is it important that we disagree well? And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But first of all, it's at the heart of the gospel message. There was no greater separation or divide between us as sinners and God and his righteousness. It is a vertical, a vertical example, the heart of the gospel. In our sin, in our deceitfulness, in our even our righteousnesses, our righteousness being as like filthy rags, there was no greater chasm or separation or division that could be between us and a righteous and a holy God. And yet through the Lord Jesus, he has reconciled us. So why is it important? Because it's at the very heart of the gospel message. What we have been remembering this morning about the Lord Jesus giving his body and shedding his blood is the greatest example of taking two individuals, in a sense, on opposite ends of the spectrum and bringing them together. And so it's at the heart of the gospel vertically. It also cultivates unity in the local church horizontally. If you and I can have disagreements and yet do it well and do it appropriately and peacefully, then it will create unity in the local church so that even if we don't agree on every issue, we can still be united on the things that we do agree on. And number three, not only vertical and horizontal, but internal, internally, it moves us closer to sanctification and Christ-likeness. If I'm able to disagree with people and still do it well, it will be a Christ-like attitude that we're going to read about in just a moment. Let's actually do that right now. Let's, re- let's look at Philippians chapter 2. And we'll read these verses about the Lord Jesus and the, teach- the two verses previous. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3. 
Philippians 2 and 3. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Again, thinking about James 4, where it says the cause of the fighting is, is within. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. I think sometimes when I start reading these verses or I sit in the audience and I listen, I don't really let them sink in. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in, the, in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I'd like to consider just two considerations before we look a little closer at these verses very briefly. The first one is, there are two extremes when it comes to disagreeing. I would suggest two extremes. There is the, the extreme of standing for nothing and just acquiescing and agreeing and avoiding the confrontation. And then there is the extreme of standing for everything. And everything is a debate. And everything is an issue. And everything is a chance for a disagreement or a division. And somewhere in the middle is probably the healthy medium. And so I don't want to be the person who stands for nothing. But I also don't want to be the person who stands for everything and causes division. So a healthy balance there is something to consider. Not everything needs to be an issue. Not everything needs to be an issue. There are those red flag issues that were just, if, if someone has allegations against Jesus Christ, if someone is attacking or assaulting the character of God or attacking his word, then there is not going to be disagreement, but I can still disagree well. I can still speak the truth in love and I can still treat them and approach them with dignity and respect, even when we disagree. And it will be a sharp disagreement on topics and on issues like that. There are yellow flag issues, more of a conviction or an opinion that could lead towards red flag issues, but they don't necessarily need to be contentious. They can be things that we don't share the same conviction on, and yet we still treat each other with love and respect and Christ-like humility. And then there's the green flag issues that have little or no impact on life or the gospel, things like the color of the walls or sports or hobbies, and the disagreement there is not going to have any impact on, for the most part, on life and the gospel. And so we need to remember that not every issue needs to be an issue of disagreement. And finally, consider the person with whom you are engaging. And then also, as we've been reading, consider yourself. If this person is not a Christian, we can't expect them to change their minds. If we're arguing over political things or the value of life, if they're not a Christian, I don't think that we can expect that we're going to change their minds. What is the goal of the debate? What is the goal of the disagreement? Consider personality types or attitudes where some are very agreeable, some are very contentious. Some people are very black and white, and some people are not by, by their attitude or by their personality. Some people are peacemakers. Consider the person with which you are having the disagreement. And be aware of the setting and how it contributes both for good and for bad. Individually, 
is the best way to handle a dispute, to handle a debate, to handle an argument. Social media is probably not. Uh, I don't know of any person who has had their ideas swayed or changed by a, a social media post. And if they have, then I would question why it was that they are using Facebook or social media as a way to have their mind changed. So let's be careful what we do on social media, entering into debates, entering into arguments, trying to convince another person. I just don't, I, I would suggest that that would not be a profitable way of doing that. Now let's just quickly, in the last couple of minutes, look at these verses that we read in Philippians 2. Philippians 2 and 3 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, avoiding selfishness, conceit, conceit, conceit or ambition. I've been listening to David Gillen in the last couple of weeks, and so he, you know, he always has the letters that go for each one. Pride prevents peace. Pride prevents peace. Humility harbors harmony. Humility harbors harmony. My question, question this, do I need to win this argument? Do I need to win this debate? And if so, why would that be? Will my pride be hurt by bowing out? Do I really think more highly of myself than I should? Or is it like this verse that we read where it says, count others as more significant than yourself? And I'll just mention this as we close. Consider your approach. If we really take these verses to heart, let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also on the interests of others. If we, in humility, count others more significant than ourselves, how would we approach a person? Even if we disagreed, if we really thought of them as more significant than ourselves, our approach is so key. You can say anything to anyone if you do it in the right way and at the right time. And so I hope that these few considerations will be something that we can leave with that I think everyone could benefit from. I know as I looked in the mirror and as I tried to pray about these verses and think about these things specifically in reference to myself, I can see a lot of room for growth. I can see a lot of room for improvement when it comes to disagreeing and doing it well. And if we do that, it will be an opportunity to share the gospel, to cultivate unity in the local church, and for myself to be more like the Lord Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us. Thank you.